Well, we will be again in the book of Acts this morning, and we're going to be picking up with chapters 27, verse 39, where we left off in the scripture reading. And before we do that, let's just ask the Lord's blessing once again. Father, we just pray, Lord, you lead us through this passage this morning, that we can learn from it and take from it what you would want to just put into our hearts, Lord, from it, that again, that we can trust you no matter what's going on in our lives, Father. We just pray for you to work this morning. That you do, Jesus Christ would be glorified through this. We ask this in his name. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever taken time to reflect on your life uh, and, and maybe just evaluate how did you get to where you are now? How did the Lord bring you along through the weeks, months, and years in the past? How has he brought you to where you are in life now, your walk with him now? And as you ref- if you reflect on that question, you probably would think back and you're going to think of passages of scripture that God has worked in your heart and your life. You're going to think of people that God has brought into your life that have encouraged you, that have helped you along the way. You're going to think of circumstances that have come, trials and tribulations, and yet good times and times where you felt really blessed, things that shaped you and and God used and orchestrated in your life to help move you along. And you might come up with even other things, times of prayer where, where the Lord really spoke to your heart or led you, things like that. There's all kinds of ways that God works in our lives and, and in our hearts, and As we look at our passage this morning, we're going to see some of the things God used in the heart and life of Paul, the apostle, but also some people who were with him in the text in which we're reading. David Jeremiah writes this, There's an old joke about a man who jumped out of an airplane only to discover that his parachute was jammed. As the wind rushed by him, he took the thing off and desperately tried to entangle it. In midair, suddenly a man shot past him, flying upward at tremendous speed. And the man with the chute looked up and yelled, Hey, do you know anything about parachutes? And the other man called down and said, No, do you know anything about gas stoves? He writes, Oh, the ups and downs of life. Seems like we're always going up or down, doesn't it? Every day has its high spots and low points. And every year has its peaks and its valleys. Sometimes we're on the mountaintop. Sometimes we're in the pits. Sometimes we're high on life. And then we can be tempted to be down in the dumps. Well, our passage again today that we're going to be looking at describes some pretty dramatic ups and downs that Paul himself went through along with these other men. But what we want to pull out of this passage is that we see the good hand of God through it all. Through it all. We've already read, we wanted to get you into this whole context of this voyage in the Mediterranean Sea and this storm that came. And these guys were trapped in this storm for two weeks. Two weeks! That's a a long time. To be in a ship like this. Oh my goodness. But they made it through. 
But in the book of Acts, and just so you understand, as we, so you understand the, over, the overall context as we look at this passage, because you're going to see the focus on the Apostle Paul and God using him to bring leadership to the people on the boat. God's going to use him later to uh, direct their steps, what they should do next, what they shouldn't do. God's going to use him to heal people miraculously. <clears throat> and that's very interesting. And we recognize Paul was an apostle, and he had God endowed special abilities for that time, and we understand that. Because what's going on in the book of Acts overall is that God was moving away from Israel. He was setting the nation aside, his special nation, and he was ushering in the dispensation of grace, the body of Christ, and he was using Paul to do that. So a lot of the things you read about in the, from mid-Acts on is God is purposely bringing extra attention to Paul the Apostle, so Paul the Apostle can put all the attention on Jesus Christ. And that's what you see here as well. So let's begin, and let's read verses 38 through 41 of Acts chapter 27, and we're going to go all the way into Acts 28.10, so we're going to move fairly quickly this morning, but beginning with verse 38, it says, So when they had eaten enough, They lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach, onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes. And they hoisted the main sail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And we're just going to stop there and make some points here. But you'll see on what we're going to basically summarize this passage. What we're going to pull out of this passage, those few verses there, is hold on to God. Hold on to God. I, I can only imagine two weeks in this storm and, and when we come to this passage, they finally see land. And now it's all about how do we get from here to there? How do we get on land in one piece, uh, meaning our lives? How do we save ourselves and get to the land? And I can imagine that as they walked in this boat for two weeks, and it was a sizable boat, obviously, to hold 276 men and had a lot of wheat on board and other cargo. It was a, it was a sizable ship. But two weeks on there... And I would imagine that often that somebody was yelling out, hold on, (laughs) hold on, as the waves hit and the winds blew and things were rocking and the rain was coming down. Hold on was probably a refrain they heard. And as we come into this passage, though, we see that we understand that they had been given a special truth that applied to them directly. They had been told, you're going to make it. Paul was there to say, through revelation, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And so they had something, they actually had a specific promise of God to hold on to. You're going to make it. But can you just hang in there and believe what was told? And again, I, I pull out of this a takeaway for me is holding on to God, holding on to what has God told me through his word? Has God not said, I'm going to work all things to good to those who love me? Can I hold on to that? Can I hold on to him when my, when my life is rocking in the waves and the wind and storms are hitting me and things aren't going the way they ought to be going? Can I hold on to God? 
We'll make a couple of points here in the passage. And the first one is, hold on to God's providence. Hold on to God's providence. What I mean by providence is the truth of Scripture that God's working to provide beforehand so we are cared for in the present moment. In other words, it reflects the idea God knows what's going to happen and He's already working in and through situations to bring about His will. He is working. I think of the, the Proverbs 16.9. I've already kind of quoted it earlier, but it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That is providence. That is God's working. He's superintending in our lives. And that's something the Apostle Paul fully believed in. Read the book of Philippians. <laughs> Just read it through if you want to see God's hand and Paul's acknowledgement of God's hand. He passionately believed in God's providence and God's working in Eliza. And at this point in this maritime adventure, as these guys are about to be shipwrecked, at this point in the story, they're beginning to listen to Paul a little bit more. Earlier, as we read it to get some context, Paul said, we shouldn't sail. We shouldn't, we shouldn't take this trip right now because I think we're all going to crash and die. That's kind of what he said. And they said, well, the owner and the helmsman and the centurion decided, no, we can do it. We're going to make it. What's funny is, this is just another bit of thing you don't get from the text, but we know in Paul's life at this point, he had already been shipwrecked three times. This is his fourth time that we're aware of. And so he was a bit of an expert <laughs> on not like dying in a shipwreck. <laughs> and so maybe he was even pleading with personal experience of like, guys, this is, this is not smart. I've seen it before, and I've been through it. But they were like, nah, we can do it. And so they took off. You know, There's money to be made. That pushed them. They wanted to make money on the wheat and money on getting the prisoners where they went and everything. So they pushed on. But they, but they were now beginning to listen because in, what we just read a little bit ago is that Paul had encouraged them to eat. They hadn't really eaten for two weeks. You know, they just probably nibbled on enough to get by and keep moving, but they didn't sit down and just like, okay, I'm going to eat and feel good for a minute, you know. You know, when you eat to, 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 to satisfaction, you're full, I'm good, I'm good now for a while. Um, just a good, solid meal. They finally took time to do that in verse 38. They ate enough, they got satisfied. As Pastor Lynn was talking about, their, their meal was sufficient, <laughs> it was enough. They finally, now they could have the strength. And he told them before it was for their survival, so he encouraged them to eat. <clears throat> and just a little takeaway, notice before in that passage that he led by example. He broke it in front of them and he ate. He's like, we, it's okay, guys, let's eat. You know, he did it. And that's what a lot of times we just need when we're going through hard times is somebody there with us saying, it's going to be all right. We're here, I'm here with you. Let's do this together and encourage you. No, we're, we'll, we'll be all right. The Lord's with us, and we need that encouragement from one person to another. And that's what Paul served for them. So they finally had a good meal, enough to kind of keep their strength up. And then it says in verse 38, they threw the wheat overboard. They were probably a cargo ship with a lot of grain because that was common. And so they finally threw the wheat overboard, um, which kind of shows at this point they knew there was, there was no salvaging this trip. There was no money going to come out of this trip. There was no gains going to come out of this trip. They threw the wheat overboard. That was their last resort to make the ship as light as possible. Because as you see in verse 39, 
when the daylight came and they finally saw land, um, they saw a bay and they saw a beach. They saw a sandy shore probably in the distance, and they were wanting to hit that beach. They're wanting to get up on that beach. That's what they're shooting for. Now, they're already in about 90 feet of water uh, where they had dropped anchor, and now they knew, boy, it's just going to get shallower and shallower. And so they throw that weed overboard to get that boat as high up in the water as possible because they, they want to try to dodge rocks, sandbars, and all that. They want to get to that beach, hopefully. That's where I'd want to go, right? You don't want to have to swim <laughs> if you can help it because it's still storming, by the way. It's still raining, it's still windy, it's still cold as these things are happening. But they can see land. <clears throat> and so what they did, and you can see in verse 40, it says they let the anchors go and left them in the sea, and they loosed the rudders, and they hoisted the mainsail and made for shore. So what they're doing here is, uh, it said they had four anchors. And they had those anchors set, but again, they want to be as light as possible, so they don't want to bring the anchors back up, they just cut them loose. We're, 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 it kind of gives me a picture of like, we're surrendering now. <laughs> Lord's will be done. We're cutting the anchors off. And then they, they had the rudders up. And in the ships in those days, these ancient grain ships on the Mediterranean, they had these big oars that looked like gigantic oars. That was the rudders. And they probably had one on each side of the ship. And they would let them down into the water. And that's how they steered. And then what they would do is when they didn't want them up, they hoisted them up and tied them to the ship out of the water. So they're throwing the rudders back down because they're steering for the shore. <clears throat> and then they put up their sail to catch the wind. You know, they obviously had brought that down because the wind was driving them everywhere. So they finally put the sail in, and it's kind of like, here goes nothing. <laughs> here goes nothing. Just, by the way, an interesting point, they've actually found ancient anchors of this era off the coast of Malta, which we're going to get to. We believe that's where the shipwreck happened. It was on the island of Malta. And there's a couple of locations where they found anchors in the sea, which shows you not only the plausibility that what we're reading is a historical event, but that it happened more than once because they found anchors in different places. Shipwreck was common. As we mentioned, Paul now was about to be shipwrecked for the fourth time. So I guess if you're going to do something, I guess practice till you're really good at it. <laughs> and I just want to make another point as, we, as we're thinking about God's providence. What we want to bring out, God's hand was in all this. These guys were doing what they could, and they're doing it at Paul's direction. They're doing what they can, but they are not in control of this situation. They're just doing the next thing they can do, basically by faith in what Paul said. It's just like how we, that's what we can do in our lives, do the next thing by faith. We don't have control. We don't know the outcome. We don't know the results. We, don't, we can't make it happen. Just like these guys weren't assured. That they couldn't make it happen that they're going to hit the beach right where they wanted to. This thing had been out of their control for a couple of weeks already. And that's a picture of how life can get out of control when storms hit us. But think about this point. Paul had said, let's not sail. And they said, now nah, we can do it. And when they made that decision, those three guys, and, who, and it said the majority, so whoever else was involved in voting that way, they made that decision for everybody on that boat. So Paul, he said, don't go, but the rest said, go. So Paul now is going through this shipwreck because of the choices that other people made. <laughs> you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were suffering because of the choices of somebody else? They did it. And you're going down with the ship, so to speak, as they steered you into a, a reef. I don't know. Anyway, we know that that's happened. We, we sometimes go through 
suffering and hard times because what other people choose. And we didn't even get to make the choice. But God doesn't exclude that from the list of things that he works to good. He doesn't exclude that from his work in your life. He can overrule what people do and use it for his glory. And that's what we see here. Because he's using all these events to lead to something. To lead to himself being glorified and Jesus Christ being known. Again, these men did what they could do by faith in what Paul said. And again, that's the call to the Christian. We trust in the providence of God. We hold on that God is working. When it's out of control, when it seems like we're going to go down with the ship, so to speak, we hold on to God's providence, knowing that he's working. And I bet, too, he doesn't say anything about prayer, really, in this passage. We know an angel visited Paul that we read earlier, but I can guarantee you Paul was praying this whole time because he said, pray without ceasing. So I guarantee you he was praying. Probably Luke and Aristarchus were doing a lot of praying and praying for God, and, and they had been assured they would survive, so they did have that. That's a big deal, right? But they were probably praying. And, again, I pull from these, this, these verses here, this, this picture that, you know, God puts us where we're at in life. He's working in our lives. He doesn't guarantee it's going to be all roses by any means. He's, he's going to take you into some storms. And, and you may feel like you're being shipwrecked at times. You know, it's really bad. Where, you, where, you know, it's difficult to eat or whatever. But there's the reality that he's still using it. He has a plan in it. He has a purpose in it. He's going to use it. He's going to bring you through it. But what we're called to do is to continue to take the next step by faith. Take the next step by faith. These guys did what they could. They took the next step. They did it. They couldn't control it, but they did it. It's in the Lord's hands now. It's in the Lord's hands now. That's how Paul lived his life. He just took the next step by faith, trusting God. And he prayed. And he prayed for God to direct his steps. And he prayed for the Lord to lead him. But it was God's providence that led him along. <clears throat> and that's what we see. God's providence works through human agency a lot of the time. God's going to use that next step you take. He's going to use that next step. And that's what we want to take away from this passage here. We hold on to God's pr- providence. We also hold on to God's promises. <laughs> you know, they were aiming for the beach, right? Let's make for beach, drop the anchors, throw the rudders in, put up the sail. Let's go. Let's do it. And they were making for the beach. And verse 41 says, but, <laughs> but striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken by the violence of the waves. <clears throat> they were making for the sandy beach, thought, we hit the beach, we can hop in maybe real shallow water, and we're walking up the beach, we're into safety. But before they got there, boom! They found a sandbar. And it says the prow stuck, which is the front of the ship. And it stuck, and it wasn't going anywhere. It was stuck. There's no more, nothing else to throw over to make it lighter. Nothing else they can do. They're stuck. They're not going anywhere. And yet the waves are still slamming the back of the ship, the stern. And it's starting to come apart. The boat's breaking up. It ain't going to be long, and this, there's not going to be any ship left. <clears throat> And I'm thinking, if I'm in these guys' shoes, you know, it's like, oh, the beach is right there. Come on, it's right there. And we're out here. I was so close. <laughs> I was so close. <clears throat> but again, these guys had a promise. A special thing then, Paul had said, God's going to save every one of us. Not a hair on your head will be harmed. 
It's going to get wet, but it ain't going to be hard. <laughs> they had that promise. But I just keep thinking. They hear Paul. Paul's over here saying one thing. We're all going to make it. Let's eat. We're all going to make it. We're going to get there. And yet what they see is wind and waves and rocking. And now the ship's coming apart. Right? <clears throat> Sometimes we're asked to believe the very opposite of what we're seeing in life. That we're to hold on to what God has said in his word, the truth that he has said. Again, he's working in us. He's working all things to good. These promises, God is there. And yet when life doesn't look like it, it looks like things are breaking apart and coming undone. And he says still, no, hold on to my promises. God is able. You know, we're called to, as believers today, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. These men were asked to believe Paul or succumb to fear and panic. You and I are called to trust God today in our lives, lest we succumb to fear and anxiety and frustration and despair. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? Trust God. Trust me through this situation, God says to us. Trust that I'm working, that it all works out in the good in the end. It doesn't mean it's going to be necessarily good in your life here, but it means he's still working. A lot of times, that's really where we struggle. Can we really believe God's good? <laughs> Do we really believe he's being good in this? But he's being good. So we hold on to God's providence. We hold on to God's promises. And as we move forward, we're going to read a few more verses here, 42 through 44. It says, And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. What we say here is plunge in with the Lord. We had to hold on to God, now plunge in with the Lord. And really what we want to say here is we, we, we have to accept the process that God has chosen to use in our lives. We kind of can vaguely picture the, 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 the promise of the future, of like it all worked to good. But can I believe that the process is part of the good plan of God right now? The pain, the, the agony, or whatever I'm facing, can I believe that's really the process that God wants to use in my life? And the other thing is, is do we let the things in our life hold us back from walking with the Lord? There's things in this part of the passage that really could have held these men back from doing the next thing. They saw the waves. They probably had the fear of drowning because there's still a ways to go to get to the dry land. They were still, they were still seeing things that they had to overcome. And I think a lot of times for the Christians, we, we, we have things come in our life and we let these things affect us to the point where we, we hold back. We, we, we really stop pursuing the Lord. We, may, we stop walking with the Lord. We let people hurt us. We let circumstances hurt us. And we question that goodness of God. We question that providence of God. And if you're really a Christian that starts doing that, you're a Christian that stops moving forward with the Lord. You're not plunging into the next thing God has for you. You're not plunging in to the ministry that God surrounds you with, of the people in your lives, and the ways you can share Christ with those around you. You can very 
you can, you can subtly be drawn into holding back and not really moving forward with the Lord. And these men now, they couldn't, they couldn't hold back. They had to really now more than ever trust what Paul had told them. Now the soldiers in verse 42, you don't see trust there. You see fear and panic. Because what's their plan? We're in a mess, and the soldiers are thinking, well, maybe, we, maybe I can get to shore, but if we all just jump off this boat, then I don't know where all these guys are going to go. And some of them were prisoners, right? A lot of them were prisoners, including Paul. And if they escape, these soldiers are going to be the ones to answer for it. And it could be their heads on the block rather than the prisoners. They may die if they lose these guys. And so... And we don't know, maybe, these, maybe the prisoners were shackled. I don't know. I would just, maybe they may have had chains on their wrists this whole time. It doesn't really explicitly say that, but it, they may have been chained or something like that. <clears throat> and so to let these men go, let them jump in and swim, and then they could dart off anywhere they wanted, that was, the soldiers were, were panicking a little bit. Like, I don't want to survive a shipwreck just so Caesar can take my head because I lost his prisoners. You know, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to hedge my bets a little bit. But God's hand was working. And we want to notice right here, God uses people for his purposes. He uses people. And he even uses the challenging people in your life. But he uses people in your life. And he puts people in your life. And here, God had been working on a man named Julius, the centurion. Paul had already kind of started to get under his good graces. He, he said he was friendly toward Paul uh, earlier in the, in the chapter. And so God was doing something. You know, maybe Julius was wondering about this Jesus that Paul preached by this point in the story. You know, Paul had got him this far, but Julius wanted to save Paul. And so Julius said, we're not killing these guys. And you see that again in verse um, 42, or excuse me, 43, the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose, commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. He kept them from that. God used Julius right then in that moment. If Julius wasn't where he was in his life, what likely would have happened? Those guys are dead. Those guys are dead, and they throw those guys overboard, and they swim for it. And then they, then they go home and say, well, they're dead anyway. They didn't get away, but we killed them. We had to. But God had a person there. And again, we don't know all that's going on in Julius's heart, but something God was working there. And God used that man in that moment. God uses people for his purposes. You know, I think I can think back on my life, and I and I do reflect often um, kind of how God led me to Wisconsin in the first time. And I've shared some of this story at different times, but I grew up in Bedford, Indiana, little bitty church. I was the youth group, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Felt a call to ministry, knew about Berean Bible Institute in Wisconsin, and eventually the Lord got me up here. But he used so many people at important junctures in my life that either encouraged me, helped me, mentored me. And I can think back. You know, it's funny. I, if you know Pastor Paul Sadler, who used to be pastor at church years ago. A lot of you know him, and he was at the Breen Bible Society. And he had came to my church way back, back in the 90s, mid, late 90s, sometime in there. And he knew I was thinking about ministry and had a fellow call to ministry. And he affirmed, he reaffirmed what my pastor had already been saying about, you should consider Breen Bible Institute. You should think about that. That's what's going on. And you know, that said a lot to me. And he also said, hey, it'd be a good place to find a wife. And he was right. <laughs> it's a prophet. <laughs> 
Anyway. But he, he came at a, at, a, at a moment and said some things that resonated. And I'm just picking out some people. And then I came up here, and I think of Mike and Debbie Kashan, if you know who they are. And they were living in West Bend in a pastor at Calumary Bible Church at the time. And like they opened their house to me to, to stay with them. And I ended up staying with them for nearly two years or, or, or part of two years. And just that, having that, you know, that, that man, it made things so much it made for a lot smoother sailing. We'll put it that way, huh? To keep with the maritime illustrations here. But then I think, like BBI, like Dan Walgas, Ed Bedore, being there to disciple and mentor, and just just the people God has placed in my life. And that's just one little sampling. He's doing it all the time. He's doing it with you. You're that person in somebody's life. God uses people for His purposes, just like He used Julius here. And you know what else God uses? He uses the circumstances. He uses circumstances for his purpose. You know, they, they, they had to get into the water. You know, that, that's tough, right? Been on that ship and clinging to that ship for two weeks, dreading going overboard, dreading going down. So many things could kill you in that situation. Hanging on to that ship so tight all that time, and now you've hit that sandbar, now... God didn't tell them how it was all going to work out. You know, he said, you're going to live, you're going to run aground. And they thought, we're going to hit that beach, and we're going to hop out of this boat, and we're going to be on dry land right away. And God said, well, not exactly. You're going to have to jump in first. You've got to jump in. And I, that's where I get the point, plunge in, right? Plunge in. They had to plunge in by faith. They've got to get wet. You're going to have to get in them. the waves that are crushing the back of your boat. You've got to jump into those waves if you want to make it off here. And Paul's saying, we're going to make it. You talk about walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> Jump in. Go ahead. It'll be all right. The water's great. Water's fine. No. But they had to get into those stormy waters. And they could see there was no survival without getting off. There was no staying on the ship at this point. They were going into the water one way or another. So Julius said, if you can swim, then swim. And the rest of you grab onto something and, and float over. You know, By this point, they're probably grabbing onto pieces of the ship coming apart. Pieces of wood and... and, and Debris that was floating, and they floated their way. <clears throat> and so it, and it says at the end of the, the chapter, so it was that they all escaped safely to land. God kept his promise. God did it. He didn't do it the way that I would have picked. He didn't do it my way. You know, I would have been, well, the sun comes out, and we just gently float and just bump into the shore, and we just hop out, and we walk into the water about waist deep or something, you know, and we, then we fish, you know, <laughs> we make a fire. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God doesn't, he doesn't take the storms away, but he takes you through the storms. And even when it feels overwhelming, he's there, and he's still working. <clears throat> Let's read on now into chapter 28. We get into what, what, what was God doing with all this? What was God doing with all this? And here's our point. We're going to read these next 10 verses and go through them pretty quickly here. But, but the point I'm bringing out here is keep on living out Christ. You, you, you keep on. You, you know, we, they held on, and then it was time to plunge in, and now they're going to be on the shore, and it's not time to quit or give up. It's time to keep on. It's time to move forward again. And a lot of times, I think even for, for Christians, it's tempting to quit on the heels of challenges. Like, I didn't sign up for that. I'm not doing that again. That was hard. I'm not doing it. I'm done, Lord. 
I think a lot of people, their, their faith has been shipwrecked down that line of thinking. They, 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 start, they started to believe God's really not as good and as great as what they had thought or what maybe they had believed before. Or maybe they were really never convinced of it to begin with. But guarantee you, challenges that will rock your faith will come. They will come. And again, the only thing you can do is hold on to God, plunge in with the Lord, and keep on living out Christ because He is good. And he is using, he's using every step of the way. Let's read these 10 verses here. We'll make a few comments. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta or Melita in some of your Bibles. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bunch of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up sudden, or excuse me, or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. I'll actually just stop there for the moment. Here's the point we're going to make on those seven verses. God places us where he wants us. This shipwreck, this storm, it brought him right where God wanted Paul next. You know, this was not the plan. This is where God directed And we have to stay faithful because knowing his hand is working. He's working. They come to this island. They find out it's Malta. That's south of Italy. There's good reason to believe that actually is the island, that that's a correct translation and understanding that it was Malta. And there were people there, and it calls them in the King James barbarians, or it says natives, but basically the word in the Greek is barbaros, which just means they didn't speak Greek. They weren't necessarily of Greek culture. So that term just meant these are non-Greek people. They didn't, they didn't really buy into Greek culture. They kind of had their own little culture, their own little dialect. But they were really nice. He was really nice. Things are looking up for a change, you know. Things are looking up. They come out of, you know, you can imagine them all coming out like drenched rats out of the water and they're just soaking. And it says, it says it was still cold and it was still raining. So it wasn't like sunshine. It was like, you know, they're just getting more and more soaked. And, and these people must have known what was going on. Maybe they saw it or, or maybe they walked inshore a little bit and found them. But there's a group of people there, and they're like, we need to help these guys. <clears throat> we really appreciate their hospitality. 276 people is a lot of people to help, right? But they were like, let's help them out. They build fire. Maybe they built more than one fire. I don't know how 300 guys get around one big fire. It'd be a pretty good-sized fire. But anyway, they, they get fires going. They warm them up. They start helping them out. <clears throat> and they lived happily ever after. No, <laughs> it doesn't go there, does it? Paul's helping get the fire, right? Picks up some sticks. Throws it on the fire. As that wood heats up, snake comes out, bites his hand. And I'm just thinking like Paul, like, well, that's not very good. <laughs> I just like, like, you know, I'm thinking, well, what was Paul thinking? Like, well, God said I survived the shipwreck. He didn't say how long. <laughs> you talk about from, from, from bad to worse, right? And it's like, and obviously this snake 
is a venomous snake of some sort. Now, I'll tell you, I did a little research, and they don't find snakes that can kill you on Malta today. Some people, you know, well, maybe the Bible is not right. Well, maybe they don't live there anymore. Or maybe the snake wasn't necessarily native there, but maybe it was, some, maybe it was somebody's lost pet. Like, you know, Florida, hello, Florida. It's like covered with snakes now because people let their pets go. Anyway, the point is, I'm going to trust Scripture that Luke was correct. And the natives knew this snake too. This snake will kill you. And it bit him. <sighs> Yeah, what a rough day. And then the, then the natives, they see it, and they're like, oh. And then they're pagans. They were nice pagans. <laughs> if I'm going to run into a pagan, I like to run into a nice pagan like the Malta, you know. I want me a Maltese pagan if I've got to have a pagan in my life. No. They, they're looking at him, and they worship different gods and goddesses. And there's actually a goddess named DK, which is the Greek word for justice. So when it says... When it says in verse um, 4 that justice does not allow him to live, it's actually in the Greek, the justice, and it's feminine. They're probably saying the goddess of justice has decided he should die because he must be a murderer. Death for death, you know, they're thinking like that. He survived the shipwreck, but the goddess justice is going to make sure he goes down dead, and so she's sent this snake. So it just shows you that they have a pagan worldview. They're idolaters. That's who they are. But God has Paul there for a reason. God places us where he wants us. So the snake bites. They're watching him. What's Paul do? I don't know how calmly. I would have been like this, you know. But I don't know. Maybe he just did that and he shook it off. You know, like a calm guy would just be like that. But I would be like doing this. But I don't know how he shook it off. But he shook it off in a fire and killed the snake. And then they watched him and he didn't die. And again, if it was a venomous snake, then God must have supernaturally preserved him through that, right? That's what happened. But you got these people. You know, people are fickle, right? People are fickle. Uh, we, we see that all the time. You see it in history. You see it now. People, this extreme, that extreme, this extreme, that extreme. Oh, you know, they, they, he gets bit by a snake. Oh, you should have. You're a murderer, aren't you? You must be a murderer. You, know, you got bit by a snake. Like, what? No, I was just trying to build a fire. Oh, yeah. Sound like Job's friends a little bit if you read Job. But my goodness. But God uses people. But anyway, they, they are thinking, oh, you must... Then they watch him. Well, he didn't die. Well, he must be a god. You know, from this extreme, he must be a murderer, man, to like, can we worship you now? <laughs> wow, you know, what, what, what fickleness. But that's people, though. That's people. We go to one extreme to the next. It don't take much to send you down one or the other. But what was God doing in all this? God has him there. God's the one that brought him to this bay on this sandbar to swim to this shore and meet these natives who are idol worshipers. And God allows Paul to even get bit by a snake. What's God doing? God is bringing attention to Paul because Paul is the guy that can lead these people to Christ. So he's opening this massive door for Paul to minister. God has placed him here. And I believe God is placing you where you are in life and in people's lives. So, uh, yeah, I'm not looking for miracles. I'm not looking for you to miraculously survive a rattlesnake or something. You go to the doctor. But God is going to still use you in other people's lives. That's what this passage is showing us. God places people where he can use us. And so, you know, at this point in Paul, in this a matter of just an, a few hours, he's been shipwrecked, snake bit, and slandered. That's a pretty rough day, isn't it? That's a pretty rough day. Does Paul quit? Does Paul put his hands up and say, this is enough. I'm out of here. No, he doesn't do that. 
So uh, even us today, when it seems like nothing's going right, when the challenges pile up, we've suffered because of the choices of others, we've faced unpredictable circumstances, we've faced attacks from people, God is still working. He's still taking you forward. He has something in mind. He's preparing the way. He's directing the steps. He has you there for a reason. That's the truth. That's the truth. Let's read on here. Last few verses. Verse 7, chapter 28. In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of that island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such, such things as were necessary. Now, really in this passage, it's not as explicit. It's telling you what happened, but if you stop and you, you pause for a moment, and you consider God was opening doors for Paul to minister to the natives, to minister to this man Publius and his sick father. And it was opening doors to this pagan culture, this pagan people, to know Jesus Christ. And my point is simply this. God wants to love people through us. That's what he's doing here. God loved the people on Malta. That's partially why Euro Clyden slammed the boat. And why they drifted for two weeks in the sea and threw the wheat over and cut the anchors and made for the sandbar. It all led up to this moment that he could talk and share with these people who didn't know Jesus Christ. It was God's purpose and all of it. And now he used Paul to love these people and reflect the love of Jesus Christ to these people. Publius was probably like a governor of the island when you studied the Greek and what it says about, and even his name means first, I believe is what it says, but um, he was probably like the governor of the island and he took care of him for three days and, and so Paul had the opportunity to heal his sick father who was feverish with dysentery. I just stop and pause like, the stuff that killed people back then that now you just go to the doctor and you're done with it. Dysentery, how many people died of dysentery? And that's like a, what is that, a bacterial infection and you can just go get an antibiotic now and you never even blink twice probably. I mean, it just boggles my mind. But people back then, they didn't have that kind of, kind of hope. So Paul comes along, and God enables him to miraculously heal this man. And again, Paul, God is putting the floodlight on Paul, so Paul can put all the attention on Jesus Christ. And then when that word goes out, word goes out, then how does God use it? Everybody comes. Everybody heard of this. Publius says, dad is good. Paul, what? I'm going to go check that out. I'm not feeling so good myself. So everybody comes to Paul, and he heals them all. And you could focus on the miraculous healing. We understand that that has moved aside. That was for the time. It was establishing Paul's apostleship. It was establishing the dissipation of grace. And God needed to show the Jews and the Gentiles, I'm doing something new. And the miracles kept bringing the attention. And it's, and it's such where no one can deny because you can't, you know, it's, it's, it's right there. We understand that, but let me tell you this, but God is still working in your life, and he's putting you with people, and he's going to open doors, and the suffering you're going through may be the door he's using to open for other people to come to you. What you're going through right now, when you're in the midst of a storm, and yet you praise God in it, that gets people's attention. When you've lost a loved one, but you don't sorrow as others with no hope, and you rejoice that they're with Christ, that gets people's attention. And it opens door. God's always using our suffering 
to get people, get people's attention so we can put the focus on Jesus Christ because that's the why behind it all and how we get through suffering and everything. So God's going to use us to love people in our lives. And that's what we see through this account of this shipwreck. It isn't random, randomness. It isn't chance. It isn't just whatever, whatever. No, God had a plan, and he has a purpose, and he was working. And so we have to take away that, again, with, when we have interruptions in our life, disruptions, inconveniences, suffering, God may be well turning our eyes to someone in need or helping to bring someone in our life that we can minister to. So when in our life, when the journey goes ill, when people don't have your best interests at heart, when nothing seems to go right, the promise is you can still trust God because he's working. And that's what this passage reminds us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the events we read about and that people went through these things, Lord. That this, was a, this is a true story, and the, these men had to go through this situation. And yet, Lord, we can only wonder what Paul was able to say to the natives, what Paul was able to share with the people on the boat, with Julius. Who knows, Lord? Maybe several of them trusted you. We know he would have been preaching. We know he would have been sharing Christ because he always preached Christ. That's how he lived. And so we, just don't, we don't read here of the results, but it could be many of these trusted you. But Lord, help us to always know you're always working good in our lives, and even when it doesn't seem good, that you're using it as opportunity to grow us, to help us to see the needs of others, to open doorways for ministry, Father. Help us to remember it's never in vain, and that your good hand is always with us. We pray, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.